0: This is the Bible in One Year, Day 63. How to Enjoy a Lifetime of Favor When I was at university, I was taken to hear a talk entitled, Where Will You Be in Ten Years' Time? It was intended to be an encouragement to us to persevere in our faith in spite of all the challenges that life would hold after university. All that I can remember is thinking at the time, Ten years? That is a lifetime away! I could not even begin to imagine that far away. Now, by contrast, I look back at my life and 10 years ago seems like yesterday. Life has flown past. It seems to be accelerating at an alarming rate. I now understand the wisdom of those who encouraged us early on to take a long view. We live in a society of instant gratification. Instant meals, instant messaging, instant cash, instant loans, instant fake tans. Instant fortunes one, there is a great danger of short-termism. The passages for today remind us that God is the everlasting God. God views things through a wide-angled lens. He takes a long view, and he wants you to enjoy a lifetime of his favor. From Psalm 30
1: I will exalt you, Lord. For you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face,
0: I was dismayed. The long view of life. Are you going through a difficult time? Do you wonder whether it will last forever? God's favor lasts a lifetime. As David looked back on his life, he was filled with thankfulness and praise. Yet he'd been through some very difficult times. But God lifted him out of the depths and did not let his enemies gloat over him. When he called to God for help, God healed him. God, my God, I yelled for help and you put me together. God, you pulled me out of the grave, gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. David had times when God was angry with him and where God hid his face from him. After all, David did commit adultery and murder. Yet as he looked back on his life, he was able to see that the moments of trial and testing were in the context of a lifetime of God's favor. Father, thank you that your anger lasts only a moment but your favor lasts a lifetime. Thank you that you are the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and I can trust you. New Testament
1: from Mark 12 Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living You are badly mistaken.
0: The long view of eternity. What happens to people when they die? Is death really the end? You may have lost a family member or close friend and you wonder whether you'll ever see them again. Where are they now? Are they gone forever? Are they just asleep? Or are they in some way alive? Jesus' opponents were constantly trying to catch him out with their questions. First, they tried to trap him over money. However, even they recognized that Jesus was a man of integrity. They knew that Jesus spoke the truth, whether or not it was popular. Jesus avoided the trap and gave an amazing answer. Next, they asked Jesus a hypothetical question to test him. This one was about life after death. There was an internal debate in Judaism between the Pharisees and the Sadducees about whether or not there was life after death. The way I remember the distinction is that it was the Pharisees far I see, who did believe in the resurrection, whereas the Sadducees, sad, you see, did not. Jesus pointed out that the Sadducees were wrong for two reasons. First, they did not know the scriptures, and second, they did not know the power of God. First, the scriptures. Jesus affirms the absolute certainty of the resurrection of the dead. Since the Sadducees only really believed in the authority of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Jesus bases his argument on them and quotes from Exodus 3, verse 6. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still living now. Second, the power of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, There is the most sustained and in-depth argument in the New Testament on the subject of the resurrection of the dead. Paul emphasizes again and again the power of God, which the Sadducees denied. He writes that the body is sown in weakness, but it is raised as a resurrection body after death in power. God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wonderful truth is that the same power that was at work in raising Christ from the dead is at work in you now, bringing you more into the likeness of Christ and also in the future in bringing your body to be a resurrection body in the new creation. Therefore, everyone who has died in Christ is still living now. You will see them again, even though the separation is so hard. All the struggles of this life have to be seen in terms of eternity. God takes the long view. Thank you so much, Lord, that this life is not the end. Thank you that the dead will rise. Help me to see all the struggles of this life in the light of eternity. Old Testament from Leviticus 11 and
1: 12 The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you the rabbit though it chews the cud does not have a divided hoof it is unclean for you and the pig though it has a divided hoof does not chew the cud. it is unclean for you you must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses they are unclean for you of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living creatures in the water, you are to regard as unclean. And since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat. You must regard their carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat, because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat. Those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground, of these... You may eat any kind of locust, cricket, cicada, or grasshopper. But all other flying insects that have four legs, you are to regard as unclean. You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcass will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Every animal that does not have a divided hoof or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Of all the animals that walk on all fours, those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up their carcasses must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening these animals are unclean for you. Of the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink and the chameleon. Of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean till evening. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever its use, will be unclean, whether it is made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth. Put it in water. It will be unclean till evening, and then it will be clean. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean, and you must break the pot. Any food you are allowed to eat that has come into contact with water from any such pot, is unclean, and any liquid that is drunk from such a pot is unclean. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean. An oven or cooking pot must be broken up. They are unclean and you are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water, remains clean. But anyone who touches one of these carcasses is unclean. If a carcass falls on any seeds that are to be planted, they remain clean. But if water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it is unclean for you. If an animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean till evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up the carcass must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. These are the regulations concerning animals, birds, every living thing that moves about in the water, and every creature that moves along the ground. You must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Leviticus chapter 12 The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait thirty-three days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter, for two weeks the woman will be unclean as during her period. Then she must wait sixty-six days to be purified from her bleeding. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb, For a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. One for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean.
0: The long view of history. What on earth is the point of all the regulations in Leviticus? Why are they in the Bible? As always, we understand the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament and, in particular, Through the lens of Jesus, God had a long-term plan. He was preparing the world for the coming of Christ. The New Testament tells us that all these seemingly strange regulations are only a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The purpose of the regulations was to teach about holiness. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Peter quotes this verse in his first letter when encouraging holy living among the early Christians. He writes, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Yet the New Testament also tells us that God has now made us holy through Christ. Therefore, the Apostle Paul also says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. All these regulations have now been superseded through the coming of Jesus. Many of the regulations were probably there for very practical reasons. For example, the eating of pigs as carriers of disease may well have been banned chiefly as a danger to health. Similarly, the rules of decontamination, strict as they are, take account of practical necessities. God wants you to eat wisely and healthily. Purification after childbirth was not about moral uncleanness, but ceremonial uncleanness. The cleansing was from the flow of blood, not from any guilt attached to marital intercourse or childbirth. These regulations may actually have been a great blessing to women who'd recently given birth. The extended period of separation from wider society would have protected her from having to return to the hustle and bustle of normal life too quickly. After childbirth. This passage also gives us a clue to Jesus' background. It shows the poverty from which he came. Mary could not afford a lamb. When Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, they offered a pair of doves or two young pigeons. God had a long term plan for the birth of his son under these laws. God was working all the way through history to prepare the ground for Jesus. Jesus was born under the law. He fulfilled the law and brought all these regulations to an end on the cross. He rose from the dead and made it possible for us too one day to rise from the dead and to become, along with Jesus, heirs of God. Lord, thank you that I am no longer under law. Thank you that I have received adoption as your child and that you have sent the Spirit of Jesus into my heart. Thank you that I will spend all eternity with you. Help me to take a long view and to enjoy a lifetime of your favor. Pepper adds, The psalmist said in Psalm 30, When I felt secure, I shall never be shaken. I know that feeling. When faith is riding high, I feel nothing will knock the confidence I have in the Lord. However, sometimes, through problems, difficulties, or sickness, that confidence is rocked. And it feels like, as it says in verse 7, When you hid your face from me, I was dismayed. Then the only answer is to return to verse 2 and pray, O Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me.